You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. Moments here alongside BJ Armstrong. As always, BJ, how you doing? The real name, no gimmicks. You know it's all good, Mo. It's all good. All good. It's all love today. It's all love. If you guys listened over the weekend and you wanted to know the video that BJ and I were laughing about, you can now see that across my social media platforms on Instagram and TikTok. Alan Iverson absolutely cooking me, which was fun. <laughs> Shout out to AI. Shout out to AI. I love you guys. A lot of you guys have been asking when you can hear that interview. We've just got the files, so now we're working on editing them, and then they've got to go off for approval. So sometime this week, it was supposed to be today, but sometime this week, they'll be there for you. So stay locked in. BJ, we've got to talk a little bit right now. Because we okay. we had a conversation about the MVP a couple of weeks back, but I feel okay. like a few things might have changed. Because it ain't about how you start, it's about how you finish. And your pick for the MVP, Jason Tatum, has been having a little bit of a rough time in recent stretches. You know, there's been, I think mm-hmm, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's been a very long time since he shot above 50% from the field in consecutive games. I don't think he's done that for a number of months now. There's been a, a lot of games where he's turned the ball over a lot. There's been a lot of games where he simply couldn't hit a bucket. All of this was capped off with the Celtics losing a 19-point lead against the Utah Jazz on the road. My question to you now being, is he still your MVP or has your opinion changed? Well, you know, you know, Jason Tatum had a very, he had an amazing start to the season and for the most part of the season. However, if you if you look at it right now, if you look at it right now, you, you got to say Joel Embiid. I think he has overtaken everyone with this last surge here in, 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 the, in the latter half of the season. You know, you you had Jason Tatum. Giannis has been there for me. Jokic, of course, has been there for me. And, 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 and Embiid. But Embiid has really, I mean, he's just, he's playing terrific right now. He really is. He's, you know, all those guys have been incredible. But I think Joel Embiid has really kind of separated himself here with about, what, 10, 15 games to go, if you're asking me today. Yeah, so... Something really funny has happened because, you know, I, I think I've said this before in the show. I don't know if it was just me and you talking, but I've got to the stage with the MVP where Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, I am personally not rooting for one or the other. I'm happy for any of those three if they win it, right? I don't, there's people that come online and there's people that come on podcasts, people that come on TV and they have a really determined point of view no this is the guy who should be mvp you're wrong for picking that guy for me i don't care who you pick out of those three guys i think they're all equally deserving of the mvp but what Embiid has done recently has been phenomenal now the main reason yes. that Jokic supports and people i think Jokic should be the mvp is the advanced stats not just the triple double he's averaging first center to do it it's the advanced stats you know the value over replacement player the box plus minus and the player efficiency rating and the player efficiency rating is a key one because if i'm not mistaken over the past 10 seasons the mvp has actually gone to the player who was number one in player efficiency rating that season it's just coincidentally lined up i don't know if that was the basis for the votes or if it's just a coincidence that the player number one in player efficiency is named the mvp And for the entire season, Jokic has been number one in player efficiency rating. However, 
as of last night, PJ, Embiid has now overtaken Jokic in that statistical category. So for all the Jokic proponents for MVP who argue using the advanced stats, their case just got a whole lot weaker. And Embiid has done some absolutely phenomenal things. What is he on now? A nine-game streak of 30-plus points. And in most of those games, he's not even playing in the fourth quarter because they're winning by so much. The Sixers have been on a win streak. They've taken a two-seed now. I think so far this month, he's put up, I think I read it, it was like 320-something points in less than 300 minutes. He's been going crazy. And I think as the season began, Jokic um, was was getting his numbers, but he wasn't dominating. But Embiid had a slower start to the season. But to close mm-hmm. out the year with Denver losing a lot more games, Philly rising up, and Embiid just absolutely dominating, I think that we're not far away from seeing Joel Embiid take home this award this year. Yeah, listen. You know, Mo, I, 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 I joke around. I don't know if I'm joking or not, but somehow <laughs> I'm a little guy. Who, I'm a big guy who got trapped in this little man's body, right? I'm I'm and, the same, but I'm a big, I'm yeah, a big, <laughs> yeah, I just play big yeah, anyway. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so the fact that we have three bigs, three bigs, right? Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic to talk about in, in this era. I mean, this is phenomenal. You know, I've been waiting for this moment to come back because I want to see the bigs come back to the game. I think the game. And we spoke will about it yesterday when we were talking about women. Yeah, I think the, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the bigs, you know, listen, I'm ready to see the bigs really get back in and figure it out how to really, they're the last position, if you will, to figure out how to play in this small ball era. You know, the, you know, once these guards came in and they started shooting threes and then the twos and the threes, they figured it out. Then you had the stretch fours. They figured it out. And now you're just beginning to see the position. The center position is the last position to figure out how to play in this era. And so this is great. So the fact that we have Giannis and Jokic win the last four MVPs and then all of a sudden possibly Embiid, another big to come in and play that's phenomenal. Now we're just waiting for these guys to dominate. Okay. When I mean dominate is to consistently now win at a high level. And once you see that, I think the game, I think the game will take another shift, Bo. Because the games take shifts, you know? Yeah. And if the bigs can figure out how to begin to win and dominate, suddenly now, Mo, everyone will try to figure out how to have a big guy because. You're going to need those guys. And I think you need bigs anyway, but that's just me. Uh, but that, that's just great. So I, I think I think you and I agree on that. I think, you, you know, Embiid right now, if it were given today, I think he is probably the MVP. So as you guys well know, I'm a Boston Celtics fan, right? And obviously I want I, the Boston I didn't know Celtics. that. When did that happen? When did that uh, happen? BJ, that happened 28 years ago. But Oh, okay. Obviously I want the Boston Celtics to win a championship, right? But I don't think that's going to happen. And I really, really, really want Giannis to win a championship. Not just for the historical precedence they will set, you know, of everything he's achieved in his career and the journey that he's been on. Not just because he's going to be, what, 28, 29 years old with two championships, two MVPs and a defense player of the year. But just to reestablish the importance of being able to dominate as big. You know, we talked about this yesterday with Steph Curry's influence and whatnot. I really want Giannis to win another championship. I don't know how you can't not root for the guy. Uh, but but talking about the bigs coming back, 
I want to just ask you this, because you mentioned a slight reference to it on last week's show with Julius Randle when we were talking about him dominating his matchups. What's happened to power forwards in the NBA? Because now it seems like you have like one big, two or three wings and a guard or two guards on the court at the same time. The power forward position, much like the center position about 10 years ago, kind of went extinct. Are we seeing that with the with the power forward position? Because when you look at the power forwards in the NBA right now, you've got Giannis, who's kind of an anomaly. You've got Anthony Davis, but when you get to the playoffs, he really plays at the five. They say Kevin Durant's a power forward, but really he's a three. And then you've got Zion, who's never really healthy. And then you've got like Sabonis, Markinen, Julius Randle, Jared Jackson. But then after that, it kind of drops off a little bit. I mean, Siakam's up there, of course. But are we seeing like the power forwards as we knew them with the likes of, you know, Kevin Garnett and Chris Webber, Rasheed Wallace? Do they just simply not exist? Do you see them making a return at any point? Well, well, you, you have a you have a couple of things, right? You know, small ball really it empowered, if you will, this philosophy that kind of overtook basketball here in the states, called a stretch four. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the stretch four became a, a, you know, it was like one of those things that everyone did and no one talked about. Okay, and the reason the stretch four was important to the game is because it gave the offensive team a significant advantage in transition defense. Okay. So what does that mean, DJ? In transition, you would always teach your bigs and you would always teach your teams to get back, protect the rim first, especially your bigs. And then you go from the paint and then you go out because very rarely did a guy just come down and shoot a 25 foot shot in transition. That wasn't a thing yet, Mo. So you would try to protect when teams tried to go and get a fast break and get a layup. So you would always protect the basket, right? So you, your four and your five man in particular would try to get back, protect the rim. The other guys would get back. One guy stops the ball. And then you you build your wall, if you will, to get back in transition defense. It was a reigning philosophy for years. Still is to this day. However, Mo, someone got the idea if the four and the five man is running back to the to the basket, and if my four man can shoot, he'll be wide open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And, and now with, with point guard scoring more, it's like sure. giving more room on the inside for them to attack as well. So you drive under control, and then when they stop you, you kick. And who was open? The four man. Because the twos and the threes and the ones were always going to be guarded in transition. But the four man was not going to be guarded. And the and the other big would probably post lane sprint, meaning yep. he would post and try to get as close. He's running so, from basket to basket. Okay, so now, Mo, you started doing that. Then someone really got clever, and they started doing what's called drag dribbles with the four because he wasn't being guarded because the fours and the fives were going to the paint area to protect against, you know, Dribble penetration. And Mo, it became a thing. So now every team was like, oh, wow, I got to give me a four who can shoot. And guess who were, guess who could always shoot? It was the European players. They were the most skilled as far as shooting for bigs. Yeah. So you started seeing these. What's interesting real quick on the European bigs is many have the assumption that they're just shooters, 
But that's actually not the case because when they play in Europe, they don't just stand around a three-point line, catch and shoot threes. The reason why they could shoot is because when they're developing players in Europe, every player, regardless of position, so whether you're a guard, whether you're a big, is taught the same skill set. So everyone does ball handling drills. Everyone Mm -hmm. does shooting drills. So you become an all-round basketball player. And that's something that, unless I'm mistaken, wasn't happening a lot in the States where you would get bigs who just learned how to play like a big throughout their whole career. So that's why when the European bigs came over and they could shoot, they said, okay, cool. You guys are shooters now. Yeah, so that's what happened. So now you had to stretch fours. Now stretch fours were everywhere. If you could... If you could shoot from the four position, that was a huge advantage. So now, all of a sudden, you had stretch fours and a big. So you would go what's called a four-out, one-in offense. Then, Mo, the game evolved again, and they said, what if we just do a five-man-out offense, a five-out mm-hmm. offense? Yeah, let's try it. Now, transition became a free – Now, not only you had to stretch four, who was probably going to be open – you had a five man who was going to be open. Now, Mo, you started running your offense through your five because who was teaching your five man to actually pressure the other team's five man? So you could just, now your offense had a free flowing offense now, Mo, because the five man, you could just move. If you wanted to move the ball to the other side, you would just throw it to your five man and he would just throw it to the other side. Mo, that's great offensive principles, right? Move the ball from one side to another against no pressure. So then suddenly, Mo, here we are now, 2023, where all of a sudden you have these tall guys who can play from the post and who can do this. And now they're figuring out how to do both. Mm-hmm. So Jokic and Embiid are kind of leading the charge of, of doing it. They can do both. And now you're going to see Wimbenyama, you're going, well, where are you going to put this guy? So I think the game now is taking another shift where these bigs are figuring out how to play in this era. And they're going to put their imprint on the game because of their ability. You know, and, and even though the bigs kind of got moved out of the game or devalued to some degree, they always were there on the defensive event. Everyone, everyone is always looking for a shot blocker or a guy who can rim protect. But now you're putting that component, the rim protection, along with being able to play in this small ball era and the ability to play from the post. I think, Mo, now you're looking at a a, a special player that's going to come about and could really dominate the game. Because no matter how many threes you make, Giannis and these guys are going to shoot a higher percentage from closer to the basket. Yeah. Yeah, at the two. And then, Mo, I don't care what happens in the game, you're going to – Excuse me, you're always going to need guys who can attack the basket. So Giannis, Shaq, and them type of guys, they put an enormous amount of pressure on your defense because of their ability to shoot such a high percentage, provided that no one plays post-defense anyway. So I think it's just a matter of time before there's going to be a coach, there's going to be a player who is going to just understand this balance that's going to be needed to play attacking that basket, playing on the perimeter, defending on the perimeter, along with being a rim protector. And then suddenly now, Mo, you'll have without question the most dominant player in the game. You're Mm -hmm. seeing parts of it now. You're seeing Giannis. Giannis is doing it 
but he's not doing it consistently because he doesn't shoot as well as like a stretch player would shoot. Yeah, yeah. He does, you, you know what I mean? But he's dominating. And, yeah, but, the and, irony is like he used to be a really smooth shooter when he came in the league. It's just since he added the muscle, he's not able to shoot as well. Yeah, yeah but you know what? But he, and, and I'm telling you, he, but he runs right through you. Mm-hmm. He just, he, you know what I mean? He plays such a physical brand of basketball. And so you put him along with the rim protection, like Brooke Lopez, and then suddenly now you have a duo that's very, very, very tough. So, but but I think there's going to be a player who can do all of those things. My, well, I don't think. I know there's going to be one. One of my favorite things to do is to take new NBA fans and show them, like Brooke Lopez we always talk about, but show them Brooke Lopez when he played in New Jersey in Brooklyn and he was a post-up guy. Or take Kevin Love, who everyone thinks yep. is just a catch and shoot in the corner, and show yep. them when he was giving you 30 points and 20 rebounds in a game in Minnesota with his back to yep. the bucket. I, I love it. But, you know, you always say to me, B, don't tell me about things after they happen. You know, tell me things before they happen. And one team I've been mm-hmm. keeping an eye on um, with your influence this season as you're trying to get the UK to adopt the Detroit Pistons as their team has been the yep. Detroit Pistons. And, you know, I wrote a column on um, Jalen Duran and, and his growth and his evolution. But one player that's really been impressing me, because we're talking about the, the game changing and, you know, big men taking precedence, is Duran and Wiseman on the court together at the same time. Wiseman, mm-hmm. of course, traded over mm-hmm. from the Warriors. They had some fantastic play the other night. I tweeted out one of the clips where there was a couple of assists between the two big fellas. James Wiseman went up against one of the best defensive bigs in Bam Adebayo the other night. And he put up 22 points, 13 rebounds, four of them offensive rebounds, 77% from the field. He went 10 from 13 and he hit three just for good measure. How much Mm -hmm. has just being in a new situation helped the career of James Wiseman? Well, you know, here's the one thing, Mo, that you, you, you can't speed up, you know, you have to you have to get experience to play. You can practice, you can watch all the film you want, but Mo, nothing replaces experience, game time experience. So this young man just needed an opportunity to play, get experience, and play through his mistakes. You know, Mo, the, the same formula, it's very simple, the game, right? We take these complex things and everyone has to, you know have an in and out dribble, a hesitation move, a crossover, a, a double step a back, back. all those things. Yeah, yeah, you got to do all those things. Okay, well, here's the formula. Minutes plus shots equal player. <laughs> it's just real simple. <laughs> if you want to, if you really want to just, you, you need the minutes. Without the minutes, you can't get the shots. Minutes plus shots equals player. This young man now is getting an opportunity to get the minutes that weren't available to him in that situation. That's just that's just all it is. Mo, I, I told you this years ago when the kid came into the league. I thought he was fantastic. Same. I thought he was fantastic then. I still think he's fantastic now. However, you can't be fantastic if you don't get the minutes. Yeah. Right? Whether you, whatever it is. And, and G League minutes ain't the same as NBA same as, minutes. No, no. The kid... He's big, he's athletic, he's got good hands, he's strong, but he needs minutes. And they they were winning championships. They won a championship. You can't you can't argue with the results that that were that were achieved out there, okay? Just is what it is. So now he's getting minutes. Now he's playing through his mistakes. Minutes 
Now he's getting the ball and the team is learning where he likes it. He's kind of figuring out what he likes to do and what he can do. And then you make it suddenly now you go, Oh, wow. What's going on there? Well, it's just, it's just real simple. So I, what happened in golden state happened now, what I, what I'm impressed about is when the opportunity knocks Mo. are you there to, are you there to answer it? Mm-hmm. He was ready. So clearly he was waiting for his turn. Clearly he could do something. And now, Mo, the next step for him is just to continue to figure out and put it together for a season because now you can see he can do something. But you can see it now. It's, and, and, and Golden State said it. You know what I mean? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about the kid. I've only heard great things about the kid. You know what I mean? Every No one in Golden State was like, let's get rid of this guy. Everyone no. was like, except for the fans. <laughs> except for the yeah, fans. No, everyone within the organization was like, we. I, I think the owner even said it. He was like, mm-hmm. we may re, we may live to regret this one. Absolutely. Okay, but sometime, Mo, you, you got to do what's best for the organization. And financially, I understand why the why the deal was done. This wasn't a basketball decision. Okay, this was financially. I mean, Mo. I mean, they are they're a little over the cap. Just okay? a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit over the cap. Okay. So, but it's great when young players are able to play. I'm not saying it's always the best thing for an organization or a team, but when a young player has an opportunity, because that's a blessing to play through their mistakes and play and get minutes and you get a few touches. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience that you can put together because Mo, that's the formula and he's getting a chance to do that right now and uh, good for him. I do think a lot of things in this league are about being in the right place at the right time. Case in point, the other night watching the Lakers and the Orlando Magic and Austin Reeves going off for a career high. How about that? How about Austin Reeves? What a journey he's Reeves? had. What a journey. He was like a three-star recruit coming out of high school, went to college, transferred to another college, told teams uh, told teams not to pick him for the G League, found his way to the Lakers, and somehow he's now becoming a household name. And the NBA uploaded a one-hour-long highlight compilation of him, which is crazy because there's all NBA-level talents that they've not done that for this season. So he's getting the love keeping the Lakers play in push afloat. But the more I think about the Lakers, I don't know if this is just delusion or from many years of watching LeBron destroy my team in the Eastern Conference. The West being as wide open as it is, I just feel like if they make it to the playoffs, they could do something. If they say healthy, yeah, if they got a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, now with D'Lo, Vanderbilt, Reeves, you know, the division. I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm, I'm, I'm just not buying it. And, and the reason I'm not buying it is because, you know, you're, you, when you beat a, a, a team that's probably won't make the playoffs in the Orlando Magic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, and, 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 and I'm not taking anything away against the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic, they're improving as an, as a team. You know, Markel Fultz and, you know, Paolo and all those guys. Hey, they're playing terrific. They they really are for a young team. They're playing meaningful games at this stage of the season, which 
is great for where they are at. Next year, they'll look to take another step where hopefully they'll be in the top eight and make the playoffs. That's kind of the trajectory that they're on right now. But but I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get my hopes up when you lose to the Houston Rockets. Well, this is <laughs> this is what I'm not gonna say. get my hopes up. This yeah, is what I'm not gonna get say, my right? hopes up. So I was looking at this after last night's game, right? In terms of defensive ratings since the trade deadline, the Lakers are the best team according to the defensive ratings since the trade deadline. And in points allowed per game, they have the fourth best, you know, lowest points allowed per game in the entire NBA. But then I went to look through their schedule. They beat the Magic, respectfully, the Orlando Magic, trying to get their draft picks. Mm -hmm. They lost against the Dallas Mavericks. I think Luka wasn't even playing. They lost against the Houston Rockets. They beat the Pelicans, who have been absolutely awful in recent weeks. They lost to the Knicks. They did beat the Raptors, which is good. They beat the Grizzlies, right. who had no Jamarant. They beat the Golden State Warriors. But again, that was the Warriors on the road, who aren't really the Warriors. So when I'm looking at these games that they've had, they lost to the Timberwolves. They did beat the, the Thunder, who are another team in the play-in. They lost to the Grizzlies when they were fully healthy or whatever. Um... When you look at the actual games in which they played, their schedule has been pretty easy. You know, they came up against the Bucks and they lost. And, you know, they've not really had any other top tier opponents to go up against to, in this final stretch of the season. Well, yeah. Well, listen, I, there there are no easy games in the NBA. So no, you can I'm only not play knocking, who's in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, well, they're all in, I don't know, my experience is they're all tough. The Orlando Magic, that's a tough game. What I'm saying is when you play in the playoffs, you're playing a team that has been consistently playing playoff level basketball for the entire year. They're going to play, if they get into the playoffs as a sixth, seventh, or eighth seed or whatever seed they're getting, they're going to be playing one. Yeah, okay. That, that, that's different. That That's a different brand of basketball. Now, I'm not going to get too excited here by saying, oh, if they just get in healthy, because they've been playing inconsistent all year. Mm -hmm. I see the talent. Individual talent never concerns me. What does concern me is when I see teams who are playing consistently well throughout the entire, the entire season for an 82 game. Okay, there's going to be ebbs and flows of this. But this team, the Lakers team that we're – discussing right now well i don't know who this team is and we're in what 70 games in already or somewhere around there yeah so we keep waiting i'm not waiting anymore this is who they are they've made these trades hey if you would have told me austin reeves was the guy that was going to carry them 70 games into the season i would have been like no, I I don't see that. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. So so who is your favorite for the Western Conference right now? Who do you think right now at this point in time is going to win the Western Conference in the playoffs? I think it's up in the air. I really do. It, but but so check this out. The the only team in the entire Western Conference to have a positive record on the road is do you know who? The Sacramento Sacramento Kings probably. That's, I don't that's have, right. I have no idea. The I have Sacramento no idea. Kings. No. Yeah, They're now, if you, ask, if you told me, like on paper, yeah. if you didn't know anything about the histories of these teams, you would look at it and say, okay, cool. The Kings, eight and two over their last 10, whereas the number one seed Nuggets, five and five. The Kings, who have dominated on the road and at home, 
they should technically be favorites for the West, but because they're the Kings, no one's saying that. I get it. It's your first time in the playoffs yeah. for a lot of these guys. It, your first time in the franchise for the past 20 years getting into up playoffs. in the air in the Western Conference. Okay. If you told me Denver, okay, I can, I can, I, you can make that argument. If you told me right now the Warriors got in and all of a sudden, okay, I, I can, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying. I believe in the Warriors. It makes sense. If, if they get okay, there. <laughs> but, but, but if you told me the Warriors were going to get in, you're saying, okay, as bad as they are at on the road, well, if they can maintain that in the playoffs and then figure out how to just improve a little bit of defense on the road, well, they can win one game. Okay. I could, I could, I could, I could go for that. If you told me the Sacramento Kings, based on what I've seen during the 82 game schedule, I would say, okay, do that. You know, um, you know, Memphis, if somehow I know the one kid is out for the year with the Achilles. However, you know, if suddenly they turn it around and Jared Jackson and those guys start with John Moran. Okay, I can. Okay, if somehow KD comes back for the Suns. KD and the Suns. Hey, okay. If, if, Kawhi if and the Clippers. Anthony, yeah, Anthony Edwards. If Anthony Edwards suddenly, and they got to the right combination, okay. And of course, I didn't even mention the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So, Mo, I don't know who's going to come out of here. But what I do know, Mo, it should be interesting. I think it's going to be entertaining. And truthfully, like I'm watching this, Mo, and I don't know what to think. Because <laughs> there's no consistency here. Now, the team that has been the most consistent in my eyes from top to bottom has been the Sacramento Kings. Okay? I don't know if they have the depth to win it all, but I know they're going to be a tough out. Why? Because now they're playing a brand of basketball that they know they can beat anybody with. De'Aaron Fox now is playing a brand of basketball in particular. He's the one that's, you know, he's stirring that drink over there along with Sabonis that they know they can beat anybody. And that's going to be a tough out for anybody who has to go up there to Sacramento and play. That's going to be a tough out. The beam. And the, and the way that De'Aaron Fox plays, at the pace he plays, that puts a lot of pressure on you because you can't, you you cannot trap him. Mm-hmm. You you got to build a wall. He's that fast, Mo. He's that and, fast. And you could try build a wall, but his improvement in pulling up in the long mid-range and even oh, from no, three, he, I know the percentage he, isn't great from three, but... When it's on the line, Good. it's going yeah, yeah, down. That's what, that's what I'm saying. So he can shoot 29% from three, but when it's that final 10 seconds, I'm putting the house on D'Aaron. So I, I, I'm going to, I don't know, Mo. The, the King, I mean, the Clippers, Denver, Memphis. Uh, I don't okay, know if the I'm Lakers. Denver stock, just defense. Yeah, I'm well, I, but... I'm not buying it, but here, they're the number one seed. So they're doing something right. I'm not going to discount them. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're struggling right now. But they're they are, and people can argue they are the best team in the regular season. So we let we let's give them something. Now, when the playoffs start, that's that's a different game. However, I'm not gonna disrespect them. So, but I don't know who's gonna win it over there in the Westmore. I'm excited to see it. I think it's gonna be matchups. You know, when I see the matchups, is, is when I'll say, I'll try to put my cap on and say, okay, who has an advantage? And because, Mo, these teams, some of these teams, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I, during the, the course of an 82-game regular season, I don't know what the Clippers are doing. 
the Clippers, when I look at them, you go, they have everything you need. What's On the paper. problem here? Health. On paper. Yes. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, man, we'll I'm see excited. I'm right. trying to get back out west soon, man. I'm tired. It's raining again here. I'm tired. I'm trying to get back out to the west. So you might see me soon. But in the meantime, you guys make sure you subscribe to the channel. Get involved in the Discord. It's linked in the description. Send in your hot takes, send in your questions. We'll be answering them this week. Stay locked in with the Hoop Genius Podcast. We'll be back with more tomorrow morning. And in the meantime, get buckets. <laughs>